I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class, but I love quilting and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. So join me now as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy and I'm a quilter and welcome to episode 188 in which things have settled down. At least a little bit. I'm recording this on Sunday, October 25th, 2015. I believe it's been, what, like two months maybe since my last episode. I think that's the longest I have ever gone without podcasting since I started five years ago. So I really appreciate your patience and, um, you know, stick to itiveness with this podcast. Hopefully, I'll be able to be more regular over the last, the next several weeks. I'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but I want to start out by saying thank you so much for listening. Um, I haven't been texting you too much with the need to listen <laughs> lately, but um, thank you anyway for sticking around and coming back for this episode. If any of you are new listeners, welcome. And um, I just gave you a break. A lot of people who start listening for the first time go back in time and start at the very beginning. Five years worth of podcast episodes to me seems like a daunting task, but there's folks out there who are, um, I, well, <laughs> shall we say, just have some some need to fill in history and background and so therefore are willing to do five years worth of podcast episodes. Um, but this year I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take it a little easy on you and I won't give you quite so many that you have to listen to. Um, things are a little complicated. For those of you who are new listeners, I did just recently start in a doctoral studies program. So my quilting and podcasting and blogging and all of those kinds of things have taken a little bit of a backseat. Um, but most especially for the last couple of months that it was sort of the perfect storm of life <laughs> happening all at once. I officially started my demon studies um, in August and I did manage to get an episode out shortly after that, um, a podcast episode, but I had um, papers due from the August class at the same time as I was starting my fall class and then um, September and the first couple of weeks of October were absolutely insane with work travel and some family things going on. And um, I did sneak in a long weekend away with my husband for our anniversary in the midst of that as well. Um, but there were very, very few weekends that I didn't have booked solid with stuff going on. And when I wasn't traveling or um, being with family or being on vacation, I was writing papers. This fall class has had, um, we have one short paper due every single week, which I've gotten down to the point I can, you know, the first couple took me a while to write. Now I, I whip those puppies off in about half an hour <laughs> because the nature of the paper is fairly straightforward. Once I got used to what they were looking for, it became quite fast. Uh, but several times during the semester, I don't know, four or five times, we had an additional paper also due that took a little more thought. Um, it was still only, you know, two to three pages, but the, the topic and what they wanted out of it, what the professor wanted out of it was um, significantly more time consuming. And then, of course, all the reading and everything. So it's just been uh, frantic, hectic, overwhelming, all of those things. Um, that being said, I am still absolutely loving school and managing to stay up with it. This is the first week, in fact, that 
I am way behind in my reading. Somehow with all of that uh, travel and all of those responsibilities, oh, every week I was able to keep up with my readings. Um, this week things sort of came screeching to a halt just because, you know, you get done with your major spate of travel and responsibilities and family stuff and your body just says, no, we're shutting down. <laughs> and so although I didn't get sick, I was just exhausted when I got home from this last trip on Tuesday. And gave myself a couple of days off from doing any reading and consequently now I'm trying to blast through 350 pages of reading in a weekend. Not happening. <laughs> so I've already forgiven myself for what I'm not going to get done uh, by the time I'm back in class on Tuesday. In any case, uh, I did get both of my papers done. This was another week where I had a short paper and a, a longer paper due. Um, I've spent pretty much all day today working on that longer paper. I was really hoping to get some sewing time in today, but it just didn't turn out to be in the picture. Um, but I did get some sewing time in yesterday, so I'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, just to fill you in on some of the more interesting highlights of my last few weeks, other than reading and writing papers, uh, I did have my brother-in-law's wedding in there at the end of September. Um, he is 10 years younger than me, so that makes him, uh, he'll be turning 40 in December. And this is a first wedding for him and a first wedding for his uh, now wife. And she is oh, something like 32-ish, I think. Um, first wedding for her. They own their own, they are, are launching their own catering company. So they did all their own food. And the wedding was at a park, um, a local park in that had a house uh, where the reception and everything was. Um, but the wedding itself was outside. And we all had our fingers crossed because up here in Western New York, the end of September can really go either way <laughs> just as easily, but it was a gorgeous day. Absolutely beautiful. Um, and I had the privilege of officiating the wedding. So it was, it was all very nice. Um, they did a fantastic job on the reception. My new sister-in-law just is an incredible decorator. <laughs> she did a great job on the decorating of the rehearsal of the, I'm sorry, the reception hall. Um, the, the entertaining part of all of this um, for my listeners is the trauma of clothes shopping. So I work from a home office, which means although I do have some nicer clothes for when I'm out and about at speaking engagements and such, they, they don't tend to be wedding fair. Um, you know, I usually wear dress pants and, and cardigans, things like that when I'm out speaking. Um, you know, being at a summer, uh, well, summer, fall slash outdoor wedding uh, in September, you know, I wanted to have a dress, but boy, it was going to be, the weather prediction was something like 75 during the day and 50 at night. <laughs> so you're really, you're trying to dress for either end of that spectrum. Um, and plus, I just, I don't wear dresses really. And I can't tell you the last, it was probably years since I last wore a dress. So um, I really had no clue what I was looking for um, when I went out to go shopping for a dress. And so two different trips, I ended up buying, I think, a grand total of 10 dresses <laughs> and three pairs of shoes. And I brought them all home because I ended up with so many shoes because I couldn't quite, when I was buying the dresses, I didn't want to, I didn't have enough time because I, I had been traveling so much. I was out shopping like three days before the wedding. Um, so I just, I was grabbing whatever shoes I thought would probably work for with any of the dresses with the intention of I would bring home, bring back whatever didn't work. Um, and so I got home and I had to do a fashion show for my husband and daughter and they helped me narrow it down to the one dress that, okay. And it, it actually wasn't 
the dress I had picked as the top choice, but it was definitely both of their top choice, so I did go with it. Um, and it actually, it was a very good blend, because again, end of September, so it's sort of fall, but it's outdoors, so it's sort of summer, and it's 70 during the day, so that's sort of summer, but then it's 50 at night, so that's sort of fall. So, and again, outdoors, so I didn't want shoes that were gonna be sinking into the mud, um, particularly as I was officiating, I was gonna be standing through the whole thing and walking around quite a bit. Uh, so <laughs> it really was, as I was saying to a friend of mine, it was a fashion conundrum, this wedding. <laughs> really I was really at a loss but we did end up with a dress that was um, actually it was a sleeveless dress so it had that sort of summery vibe but it was a darker well sort of an olive green leaf pattern with a lot of black and gray in it so it was sort of summery but also sort of fall and um, I had I already had a black uh, cardigan that I could wear with it so I just had that with me for when it got cooler um, <laughs> And then one of the three pairs of shoes did work with it. Um, the other thing I ended up doing was, uh, I uh, again, to I work from home and mostly wear pants. I haven't worn stockings in probably, oh, 10 years, 12 years, something like that. I just, I hate them anyway. So even when I do wear dresses and skirts, I generally don't wear stockings. Fortunately, that's a trend now, a fashion thing. Stockings are kind of out. So, um, but again, because it was going to be cooler at night, I was really thinking, well, I might need tights of some sort or something to keep me from freezing to death during the rehearsal. So again, I ended up buying like three or four pairs of different pairs of stockings and tights because I had no idea what I was going to end up with. Unfortunately, you can't take those back. And sadly, I didn't end up wearing any of them. <laughs> As it turned out, I just went without. I threw a pair of um, black tights in the car in case it did get chilly later so I could put them on, but I never ended up having to. Um, it, it was chillier outside, but I was moving around enough that I didn't really feel it much. And I actually spent most of my time in the house during the reception where the, the tables and everything were set up um, because I was making the rounds of talking with various family members and friends of the family and such. Um, so I never really got that cold. But it did mean I had, and then after the wedding, I was out of town almost immediately, two trips right in a row, one the vacation and then one um, the last work trip I just came back from. Uh, so as soon as I think I had a day in between those two trips or a couple of days between those two trips where I was running back to stores taking dresses and shoes back. <laughs> it was kind of funny. And then, of course, I took all the dresses back. And then we had another wedding to attend um, this past week of a family friend. And I had no dresses other than the one that I would bought for the um, my brother-in-law's wedding and I didn't it was too soon to wear that same dress so I ended up uh, just wearing dress pants to that one but I figured you know I'm not even in the wedding I'm just an attendee nobody's looking at me who cares so that was um, I just was like dang I probably should have kept one of those other dresses uh, so anyway all of that went very well I was of course exhausted after the wedding not only because it had been a really busy work stretch. I'd had two speaking engagements two weekends in a row right before the wedding. I had conference calls every night the week of the wedding. I had to take a couple off. My supervisor um, pinch, pinch hitted, pinched hit for me uh, during those two calls. So, you know, I went into the wedding fried. Um, and then I was extroverting all over the place during the reception. I, I really made myself make the rounds. And I, I had a good time, but I had to push myself to do it. 
So by Saturday, I was I was just done. Um, and unfortunately, that was another week I had two papers due. <laughs> so it was, I'm not sure they were my best work, but I managed to pull them off. Um, so that was, that was my life the last few months. And that's why you weren't hearing from me because I was very rarely home. And when I was home, I was either exhausted or just doing, you know, deminning it. So I wasn't um, doing any sewing whatsoever. And a couple times I did think about posting an episode, but I realized I had absolutely nothing to talk about that was at all fabric related. Um, this week I do. So I am now settled down for a while. I don't actually have any more travel until December. Um, and that's just an overnight. That's just going down for staff meetings again down to Valley Forge. So that would be an easy trip. Um, and no, December travel around here, I've almost, I don't think I've ever had problems going down in December. Um, we have more weather issues when you get into late January, February, March. March is ice storm month. If we're going to get ice, it's going to be the end of February or early March. Um, but December, you know, if we do have snow on the ground, it's not huge blizzard amounts that affect me driving generally. Knock on wood. Um, so my next real trip isn't until January. I think I, I leave like January 8th or 7th, something like that, when I'm back in Boston for classes. I'll be there for something like eight or nine days. And then um, one of my national work teams actually moved their meetings uh, to the weekend that I finish my classes up. And they're just going to meet me in Boston. And we're going to have our meetings that weekend. So it's that's going to mean I'm gone for probably close to two weeks by the time I get home. But it avoids me having to make a second trip almost immediately because their their team meetings were were actually originally like two weeks later. So I would have been gone for eight days, home for a week or so, and then back out of town. This way, I'm just getting it all done at once, and I prefer to do it that way. Um, I did warn them that I will not have a brain cell left when we meet, um, but they're okay with that. They don't really need me. I'm just sort of there as staff, so that one won't be too bad. Um, and then I don't travel again, although we are trying to figure out a vacation time, and that might come in February, but I'm not sure about that. Um, March and April do get a little hairy, including back, I'm probably going back to Myanmar, uh, Burma, for another trip at the very end of March into early April um, after Easter. Uh, but I'm trying to keep that trip limited. It's, it'll only be a week. It's not going to be the three-week extravaganza I did last time. So um, with all the travel I've got March and April, I'm a little concerned about what that means for whatever my spring online class is, but I will figure it out. I figured it out this time. It worked. It's okay. So on to textiles 15 minutes into the episode. Now I could start talking about quilty stuff. I'm sorry, I should have reversed that and done all the personal stuff at the end. Hopefully you were at least entertained. Um, so on to textiles. I have a new embroidery project that I'm working on because it will be a uh, Christmas gift if it turns out nicely. Um, and so far so good. I've gotten just a little bit done on it. Uh, they are, it's little white felted wool birds. They're not stuffed. It's just a flat piece of felted wool that I'm doing some embroidery on. And then once I'm done with the embroidery, I essentially just glue another flat felted wool white bird to the back of it. So um, it's just, it's nothing gets stuffed anywhere along the way. Um, and then there's some leaves involved and then you hang them all on a ribbon and they become a little garland. And this was from a book I borrowed from the library. Ooh, long, long time ago, sometime last spring, I think, on Scandinavian embroidery. 
and I saw this uh, pattern and just fell in love with it for my mother-in-law. She is Danish, full blood Danish, and um, so and she loves birds. So I thought this would make just an absolutely wonderful little, you know, kind of token Christmas gift for her. Um, like I said, if it turns out well, and if it turns out well, and if it goes as fast as I think it will, I might also make one for myself because it's stinking adorable, and we all know how I feel about pudgy birds. Um, it's it really is pretty fast. Uh, that being said, I've only got like one bird done and maybe four leaves <laughs> done. Uh, this that puppy has traveled with me pretty much everywhere I've gone uh, in September and October because it is a small project it's easy to pack into a suitcase or a tote bag and bring with me but do you think i've pulled it out <laughs> just every time i got back to my hotel room or wherever i was staying i was just so fried i couldn't do anything so um i've not gotten very far on it but now that i'm home um and generally more or less recovered it's taken me a few days uh actually even got just a little bit sick this weekend which I think was my body fighting back from almost three months of restaurant eating. <laughs> I think once I got home and started eating normal, healthy food, my body was like, what in the world is this? We don't know what to do with it. But that's, I'm recovering a bit from that too. Um, but you know, it's classic when you push yourself and push yourself, you inevitably get sick as soon as you slow down. Uh, but I am feeling better now. Things are kind of getting back into a routine. Um, and so I'm really thinking this weekend, in fact, tonight when I'm done posting this episode, I plan on working on that project while I'm watching some TV. Um, I spent maybe, oh, an hour somewhere in there in the last three months working on the Jacob's Ladder quilt that I'm doing for my brother-in-law and sister-in-law for their wedding, which, as you may recall, is already passed now. <laughs> So yes, I already missed that wedding deadline. Um, and I had known that I was going to miss that wedding deadline by, you know, the end of August. Uh, so I said to myself, well, as long as I get it done by Christmas, I'll still be okay. Well, now I'm well on my way towards missing the Christmas deadline. I am banking on the fact that I read somewhere that you've got a whole year to give your wedding gift. So I might be, you know, relying on that. Um, it's just, it's just tedious. You know, the, the stage I'm at now, I've got all my units sewn, um, all my individual units sewn together, uh, but I'm trimming down half square triangles to size, and that's just really boring work. And although, yeah, I know that means watching Netflix, well, I can't really watch something that I have to pay attention to what I'm watching because I've got a rotary cutter in my hands, so I need to be looking at what I'm doing. Um, which means audiobooks, but it just, you know, again, I've just had energy issues. So it's, it's not so much that it's hard. It is. Yeah. It's a little boring. Um, it's mostly just now that I'm home and in a routine and more well-rested, I won't mind using what little sewing time I have to do something boring and tedious. Uh, the couple of times, um, that I have had a little bit of time to do something, I really, I felt the need to do something more fun um, and immediate. And so I do have a couple things that I've posted on my blog. Um, but this week I will hopefully get back to, well, not hopefully, I really have to start getting back to that Jacob's Ladder. Um, and, you know, just doing it in 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there. So it's not quite so mind-numbing. Um, that being said, it's coming along quite nicely in terms of what it looks like, the colors and such. I've laid out a couple of blocks and I think I'm liking it. 
Um, the one notable thing is I did, like I said earlier in this episode, I did get some sewing time yesterday. Um, although arguably I should have been reading some of that 350 pages, <laughs> but I just, you know, I'm in recovery mode right now. I've had a heck of a couple of months and I just said I needed some fabric therapy. So I did do some reading in the morning, but then I did spend a couple of hours in the afternoon um, in my sewing room. And I decided what I wanted to do rather than working on boring and mundane, <laughs> that was one of those days I was in the mood to really do something that would feel more productive than spending two hours and still feeling like I was in pretty much the same place that I'd started. Um, because you know what, trimming units, you really don't feel like you've made progress, or at least I don't. Um, I don't feel like I make progress until I'm getting those blocks put together. Uh, in any case, I had a duffel bag in progress that I had started last spring, I think. I don't even remember exactly when I started this. Um, it was sometime after I had done one of the craftsy classes that involved zippers. That much I do remember, but I don't remember which class and where it fell in the, the shuffle. Um, but I had gotten it, you know, I felt like I'd gotten it like three quarters of the way done. Um, and then, you know, it just got set aside and I was working on other things. So I decided yesterday, let me pull that out, see where I was with it. And let me see if I can move it along. You know, if it's something that I've almost done, I might as well just finish it up. So I pulled it out and it took me, you know, as it will, it took me a minute to orient myself to where I had left off in the pattern. Um, and as it turned out, once I oriented myself, I realized, oh, that's why this became a UFO. I have to unsew something. I'd, I'd had something stitched on that um, I knew I was gonna have to redo. And so it just had ended up getting set aside. Uh, so the very first step I had to do yesterday was get out my seam ripper, um, pull it back off. But once I got working on it, um, I think maybe all in, it took me another hour and a half to finish. I did, I took a break in there for, uh, to get myself dinner ready and then to go down and eat dinner because it involved some cooking. Um, but I think all in, it was about an hour and a half. So it wasn't that bad. And I know the part I had done last time didn't take all that long, mostly because I used a reversible pre-quilted fabric. So that makes it super fast. You don't have to start out by quilting anything, you know, layering, basting, all that kind of stuff and getting it quilted. Um, I just was able to slice right up from this pre-quilted fabric. And um, even more, it's a reversible pre-quilted fabric. So I only used the one fabric. I didn't have to, you know, I wasn't finding accent pieces or anything. Um, the fabric itself, I bought it, I, and I talk about this in my blog post. I did post about it yesterday with some photos. Um, I think I bought the fabric back in 2009 or so. I was on a shop hop with some friends. I don't remember what year it was. Maybe it was even before that. Um, some of us quilty, uh, some friends from my quilty guild, uh, quilt guild, <laughs> went together on a Western New York shop hop thing. And I bought this fabric while I was on that shop hop um, because it, it's, it's a really pretty cool, batik looking kind of fabric. I liked the colors. And I thought at the time, well, this will make a fun um, tote bag or something. And I had made a tote bag from this pattern that I was, this pattern book I was using before um, that I'd also used pre-quilted fabric on. And I'd really liked the tote bag. Although again, I talk about that on my blog a little bit because um, that was the first tote bag I ever made. So there were some things I didn't really know how to do. But 
Um, I liked the idea of using pre-quilted fabric. Well, when I bought the fabric on the shop hop, I really, I couldn't remember how much I needed. So I just bought a couple of yards, maybe three. I don't even know if it was that much all in. Um, well, it turned out I had plenty. <laughs> I had plenty of fabric uh, for this duffel bag, which is twice the size of the tote bag. Um, so I, I will have some scraps to give to a friend. And I already know who is gonna get it because she gets a lot of my scraps. Uh, in any case, the when I had made that tote bag, I had seen this duffel bag pattern in the same booklet and I always knew I wanted to make it. Um, so I knew, I, I was pretty sure I was gonna use this fabric um, to, to do that duffel bag. The thing I found when I was actually working with the fabric though, um, once I had my nose buried in it, as you do when you're cutting and pinning and sewing, um, it's not actually a, a high quality pre-quilted fabric. There's not, I mean, Pre-quilted fabric doesn't tend to be real high quality to start with, but there is definitely variation um, in how good it is. And this one that I was using this time, there were places where the quilting stitches had skipped stitches or um, were just, you know, uneven and such. Um, and that didn't really bother me too much, except there were a couple times when I was sewing it that I needed, I decided I would have to kind of sew back over certain parts or, you know, put seams over certain parts just to make sure it would stay sewn together. Um, the other thing I found is it seemed to have stains on it, although the, the way the print is on the fabric, it's really hard to tell whether they're actually stains or whether they're just part of the design. Um, but I think I, I did finally decide, oh, I think they were stains. And I think they were stains that were on the bolt, not from my house, because I, I don't, I keep all my fabric in one place and I've never pulled something off the shelf and had stains on it. Uh, so I think it came from the bolt itself. I just, you know, when I bought it, I didn't really, I looked at the outside that you see on the bolt and then they cut it and I wadded it up and it's <laughs> my shelf, so I never really looked at it that closely. Um, but that being said, when you're looking at the duffel bag, I don't think you're seeing it. It's just one of those things that I was like, oh, okay, well, maybe I need to inspect fabric better next time <laughs> I buy it. Um, still, it, you know, it's it's a nice design. I, I still like the print. It makes for a fun duffel bag, so that's all good. Uh, there is a slight mistake, which again, I mentioned in the, the blog that um, there are zipper tabs that you're supposed to put on and darned if I didn't make the zipper tabs and they're still sitting on my cutting table. Um, I totally blipped on actually sewing them into <laughs> the devil bag. Um, and here's actually what I didn't put in the blog, uh, but was a little bit um, sort of ironic about it, was the zipper tabs were one of the places where I found the, the pattern was actually incorrect. It told me to uh, put wrong sides together and sew one seam and sew another seam, and then you turn it inside out for finishing. Well, if you start sewing something wrong sides together and then you turn, turn it inside out, what you end up with is the wrong side. And I don't know if they meant it that way <laughs> or what. Now, in my case, it could have gone either way because it's a reversible fabric, but I definitely wanted the print side out. So I had sewn one together. I was just following their direction step by step and I'd sewn it together and realized, wait a minute, now, fortunately, it's just made from a scrap and it's only two and a half by five inch. So I just tossed the first one rather than ripping out seams and I just made a new one. Um, but after all of that, you know, then I don't even sew them in in the end. <laughs> so that was kind of, that was my little bit of really, I had to fix that thing. And then I totally forgot to use them anyway. Um, 
the other thing was because this the pattern um, is in a booklet that came as a freebie in a magazine and it has a bunch of patterns in it. So each pattern is written as briefly as possible, as concisely as possible, which means they leave a lot of stuff out, assuming you know how to do it um, or assuming you'll just find the instructions somewhere else. So there were no instructions in there for how to put on a zipper which was fine because I've now taken a lot of classes and I know a couple of different techniques for putting zippers on. Um, so it didn't throw me the way it would have thrown me a couple of years ago. And I did, I got the zipper on fine, but there were two problems with it. The first is that the, the length of zipper they have you get for the project is just barely long enough for the piece of fabric you're sewing it to, um, for the bag itself. And what that ends up meaning is that um, on the end, let's see if I can describe this, on the end where you pull the zipper from the opening end of the zipper, there's actually a little bit of a gap because the zipper teeth don't come all the way to the end of the zipper fabric there. And so because I had to get it to fit to the width of the fabric, there's a little gap. When I close my zipper, there's maybe, it's not a huge gap, it's maybe half an inch of an opening that won't zip close. There's just a hole. Um, and that kind of bugs me a little bit. And that's one of those places where, boy, having a zipper by the yard would be nice. Um, although I don't think you can get sports zippers by the yard. Um, but that was just something I was like, you know, somebody should have maybe thought through that a little bit better. Um, and then the other problem I had, and this was again, because there were no instructions for putting on a zipper, so I was just doing it from memory. I forgot that it's helpful to, especially when you're dealing with a sports zipper, which is much bigger, um, much bigger tab and teeth and everything, to top stitch the zipper seams down so that they will lay flat when you're opening and closing your zipper. I didn't, I'd forgotten about that step until I had the whole duffel bag done and I was, you know, opening and closing the zipper to make, you know, once I had turned it all back right side out and the duffel bag looked like the duffel bag. Um, I realized the seams on the zipper kept flipping over so that I was kind of fighting with the zipper. So um, that's when I was like, oh, dang, yeah, I should have top stitched those zippers down. Um, now I know why that's a good idea to do it, because on regular zippers, you can kind of get away without having to do it, I think. But with a sports zipper, and especially when you've got pre-quilted fabric and everything, it just makes for a very thick seam. And that seam does not want to lay flat and make it easy for you to open that zipper. Um, so I maneuvered my finished duffel bag back under the presser foot <laughs> and top stitched as much as I could get to, which was really pretty close to all of it. I just couldn't get the very ends, you know, on either side where the little metal um, tab is on the, the end of the um, zippers. But I did get it so that it's um, now laying much more flat and the zipper is a lot easier to use. Uh, so that was important. So, you know, learn from my forgetfulness that when you are putting a zipper on, especially with very thick layers of fabric and a big old sports zipper, do top stitch uh, the zipper back down. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, just, well, get the crafty class. Um, zipper bags. I think I learned that one from that class or zip it up, whichever that one was. Uh, so that was, it was good, but I was glad to say, oh, hey, put on a zipper. I know how to do that now. So that was fun. Um, and the tote bag's going to be very usable, I think. Um, you know, there's there's things about it I don't particularly like, and there were some real problems with it that I just hid on the bottom of the bag. Um, 
don't you know, you make the, the handle in one really, really big loop. I somehow managed to twist that loop twice in a row and I had to keep um, unsewing that seam and I finally ended up just sort of twisting it back over and stitching the hay out of it <laughs> so it would lay flat and that mess is all on the bottom of the bag so nobody would see it and if I hadn't told you, you would never know. Um, so that's all the sewing I've gotten done lately, but it did feel really good to one, get a UFO done, two, do something that I could work on for a couple of hours and actually have a finished product to show for it, and three, now I've got a usable duffel bag. Um, as I said at the end of my blog, uh, still don't really enjoy making stuff like that, but I will say there is something very nice to having now a selection of zippered pouches and tote bags and duffel bags and such that I can use for my various travels, needs, etc. Um, just a couple other things to lift up to you. Mary Corbett, who has a wonderful blog on embroidery, needle and thread, just recently, just this last week, uh, posted a blog post that had a long list of other embroidery blogs that she really likes. And so I went through and I added several more to my Feedly and um, I'm trying them out. You know, sometimes you have to read a blog for like a month before you decide, is this really something, you know, do they post often enough about the stuff I'm interested in, that kind of thing. So I'm testing those out. So if you're into embroidery um, or crazy quilts, or uh, there were, she actually had a few different uh, needle crafts, uh, you know, cross stitch. I think there was also some needle felting, a um, couple of people that were quilters and embroiderers. So just go to Mary Corbett's Needle and Thread blog and look back, oh, maybe Wednesday or Thursday. I don't remember what day she posted it. Or Friday. <laughs> Somewhere in there. I'm sorry. You know, all the days, just kind of a blur right now, but that was a really helpful list and I enjoyed doing that. Um, and I also yesterday bought two new craftsy classes. Not that I really needed them, but um, I just, you know, it was part of my kind of wanting to get back into routines again. I haven't even really looked at a craftsy class since August, uh, but part of that was because all of the craftsy classes I have to do right now are really um, more long-term, you know, the ones I already owned were really more long-term kinds of projects. Um, quilting, I don't have any embroidery ones that I haven't done. Um, I've got several quilt related ones. I've got a couple of photography, uh, software, Photoshop, Lightroom, those kinds of things, which I have to do sitting at my computer, which means I almost never get to them because when I'm done with work at the end of the day, the last thing I want to do is sit at my computer for another couple hours. Um, but they're really good classes and I really need to get back to them. Ah, note to self, start doing those again. Um, but what I decided was uh, I wanted to get a couple of new cooking classes. Because uh, here's the other thing, folks. One of the downsides to all that travel, yeah, I put a few pounds back on. Um, restaurant food, killer. Takeout, killer. <laughs> I just, I have not been eating healthy for like the last three months. And the more overtired I get, the more indulgent I get, and the more any thought of healthy eating just goes out the window. Um, so I went back to Weight Watchers this week. I'm back to really trying to um, get back into all of my healthy eating much of which has to do with just cooking at home rather than eating a ton of sandwiches and stuff um, because I haven't had time to do that. So the two 
uh, classes I bought. One is Cook Smarter Solutions for Weeknight Dinners with Sarah Moulton. And this one's been on my wish list. It's a relatively new class, but I put it on my wish list the minute I saw it because I love Sarah Moulton. I used to, um, my husband and I used to watch a cooking class that she had, wow, back when the kids were little because my daughter even remembers watching it. Uh, and I don't remember what it's called. It might have just been Cooking with Sarah Moulton or something. It was a fairly straightforward title. But I just really enjoyed her quite a bit. Um, and then she changed the format of her show, and I didn't like the new format quite as well. And then it just went off the air altogether. Um, she may still have a TV show on somewhere, because she does introduce herself at the beginning of the Crafty class as a TV host. So she may have a, a class on, you know, or a show on some other channel that I just haven't found. Um, but I really, I just, I enjoy her personality. I enjoy her presence. She's very straightforward, but just easy to watch. Um, and the Solutions for Weeknight Dinners class is all about having healthy meals in a very short time frame, which is right in my wheelhouse. So um, I bought that one and I've started, I just watched like the first lesson and a half. I haven't, I just bought them yesterday, so I haven't had a chance to actually try any of the cooking. You know, there's nothing in there that's like, wow, that's a new technique, but it is, she has very good ideas um, for how to get things together a little more quickly. So that's, I'm finding it a little bit useful just in terms of inspiration. Um, the other class I bought was the new chicken dinner with Ian Nauer, I think, K-N-A-U-E-R. Um, and that's just a variety of ways to make chicken. And since we eat chicken all the time in our family, I thought, well, maybe I'll pick up something new there. So those are the, the classes I've taken. Um, I may, or that I just bought, I may try to get back into doing some of the other um, quilting classes and such. But at the moment, again, anytime I do have for sewing, I kind of already know what I have to do. So I'm not as inclined to also try to do a craftsy class at the same time. Um, just a couple things about TV if you're looking for new shows. And I know a couple of other the podcasters have already talked about Home Fires, but I also wanted to add my recommendation. Um, I've watched a couple of the episodes of that. That's a new Masterpiece BBC show or Masterpiece show. And it's about women in a rural, Engl rural English village. Um, right, It starts right at the beginning or right actually just prior to the Second World War. And you know it's a it's a masterpiece British classic. It's it's really good. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, I it, I just I would recommend it. So if you haven't picked up Home Fires yet, you might want to look at it. Uh, the other BBC show that I just recently found, um, and I think they've only got two seasons. Yeah, I think there's only two seasons on Netflix because. I've watched everything but the last episode of the last season and I keep kind of holding out because as soon as I watch it, I'm done. <laughs> and then I have to wait to see if they come out with any new ones. It's a half hour comedy and it's a BBC comedy about working at the BBC. Um, so there's some things that are like inside jokes that I don't quite get, but a lot of it is just very basic office humor or British humor. Um, Hugh Bonneville of Downton Abbey fame is the star of it. Um, although it's got a great ensemble cast. And the first episode really grabbed me because it was just a send up of open office um, format, you know, where nobody has a real actual office and people are wandering around trying to find some place that they can actually sit and talk. And <laughs> it was really pretty funny. And I, I guess that's one of those things that tickles you because it's something you've just been involved in. Um, my denominational 
building is looking at selling their building and moving into a new place. And so they've had all these meetings and surveys and such about um, what we want in a new space. And of course, open office uh, is kind of the new thing. And so everybody, they sent around a survey, would you want to do this? And everybody was like, no, please let me have my own office. Uh, where I was saying, I don't have an office down there, so give me a coffee shop. I want a coffee shop that I can sit in between meetings. So anyway, that was that was an entertaining thing. So if you haven't seen it, oh, I don't think I told you the name of it. That show is W1A. That's the name of the show, W1A. Um, and I've, I've really enjoyed it. It's very funny. So those are my two uh, TV show recommendations. So that's all I really have to talk about. Let me look at my um, email here. Just give me a second to open it up. I have not a ton of comments because here's the thing. When you don't talk to people, they don't talk back. So uh, let me just very quickly um, leave a couple uh, or say thank you to Valerie uh, who comment. Actually, that might have been a response to me commenting on her blog. So anyway, thank you for getting back to me, Valerie. Thank you to uh, Katie from Quilting Daydreams who had said to me back in the day that she did not take a picture of her uh, zippered bags that she made out of the Craftsy class um, because the bears took them and filled them with pencils for school immediately. So she hasn't seen them for a while. Uh, so she still needs to do that, I think. Katie, I think you still need to post pictures. Um, thank you to Trish and Mary Lou and Diane and Jackie uh, for your comments on my th one and only thinking about it Thursday post that I've gotten out in the last few months. Um, and it was because I posted a picture of my book holder and my daughter thought it was an iPad holder because, <laughs> you know, kids these days. They don't even know books exist. Actually, she loves reading books. She always, and she's very old school. She tends to prefer physical books to Kindles. Um, it just entertained me. So anyway, th they all agreed that, yes, that's old school, but it's okay. Um, thank you to Marianne and Jackie, who both uh, left comments on episode 187, in which I'm a little bit older, but maybe not wiser. That was my last episode, posted at the end of August, and they both said 50s are great. Um, and yes, yeah, so far I'm enjoying 50. Uh, thank you to Beverly who uh, commented on my blog post. It's not much, but I have gotten a little done. Uh, she said, very nicely done. You're such a bad influence on me. The crafts, the classes on Craftsy that you recommend, I tend to sign up for. The Zip It class was wonderful. Got lots of gifts done. So Beverly, you're going to be signing up for some cooking classes soon, apparently. Uh, thank you to Diane who posted on my stash report week of September 22nd that it was one impressive stapler. I'll try to stifle my stapler envy. And I have to say, I am absolutely in love with this stapler. It has not let me down yet. It's fantastic. Thank you to Colleen and Mary Lou, who also um, posted on comments on that blog post. Um, and if you are curious about what stapler I mean, go back to Stash Report week of September 22nd, 2015 blog post. You don't have to go back very far. I've not been blogging all that often. Um, thank you to Jackie again. Jackie's been quite regular lately. Um, Gay and Lori uh, for 
your comments on my Banned Books Week apologies and pretty mail. And Gay had asked whether I'd used the floss yet that I had gotten from Mastrop, which is an Aurifil embroidery th floss. Um, and yes, I haven't actually gotten to use it yet, so I haven't been able to check it out. Um, but after I'm done with this project, I may start doing sort of a sampler project. Um, I do still have the Cruel embroidery project I'm working on, but I'm struggling to keep interest with it. <laughs> I, I th but I think, again, that's just an energy thing. I think once I'm really back in the swing of things, I'll, I'll come back to it, because I do enjoy doing it. Um, but I would I have all these wonderful embroidery threads that I don't have any projects I can use them on yet. And I've been looking at Pinterest and other um, embroidery blogs, and there's just these gorgeous embroidery pieces that are very um, almost Zentangle-like in their approach. And I think I'm dying to do that because then I'd be able to play with all these different threads. So I'll keep you posted on if I get to do that. And thank you to Beverly and... Nancy, I'm sorry you're hearing the clicker of my mouse. I usually try to edit that out, but I'm not going to. And Jackie, again, Jackie is my blog friend, on your comments on my blog post, A Little Birdie, um, in which I posted the one bird I had gotten done at that point. And I want to give a shout out to Beverly because she said that she has won first place for her scrap in a box quilt based on um, Charlotte's mystery quilt. So congratulations, Beverly. It is a beautiful design. And I'm sure you, I mean, I, you didn't include a picture <laughs> for me. Um, although if you send me a link, I have a vague recollection that I saw it on Facebook somewhere along the way. Um, but I would love to look at it again. And winning first place is fantastic. So congratulations, Beverly. And for those of you who um, are not familiar with Charlotte's Scrap in a Box quilts, um, I think if you just Google Scrapitude, you will come up with her blog. She now has her own blog. I'm sorry at the moment, I'm not remembering offhand what it is, although I am subscribed to it um, and was part of her launching it, which was very exciting. Uh, but she has um, posted Back in September, I think it was, end of August or early September, she did post the cutting directions for this year's Scrapitude Mystery Quilt. Um, don't remember what the name of it was, but it's a, a another play on the scrap name. And she will be starting to post uh, sewing directions, I believe, in January. So you've still got a little time to catch up with that. So make sure you do. And thank you. Oh. There's Jackie again, who commented on my last night's blog post, An Easy Win, although I know Diane also commented on Facebook about that same blog post. Um, that's the one in which I just did yesterday on the duffel bag. So if you want to see pictures of the duffel bag, go check out my blog. Look for An Easy Win. So that's it for this episode. Um, again, I am now home for a few weeks, so I do hope to be much more regular in my blogging and my podcasting, mostly because I hope to be more rec uh, regular in my sewing and embroidery. One of the things that I really did realize um, during the last couple of months when I was so busy that I wasn't ever even touching fabric or embroidery, how much I really missed it. I just found myself frequently having just really sad feelings. <laughs> you know, I'd be reading other people's blogs about stuff they were doing, and it wasn't like I was jealous or envious or anything because I've made the decisions I've made, and I know there's good reason why I'm not doing that stuff, but I just, I felt sad because <laughs> I missed it. So um, 
you know, I'm, I'm really going to try to be better about making sure I take that time to do that. That's part of the whole, you know, doing something for me occasionally. Although in, in much regard, I look at this whole demon as doing something for me. So that's, you know, that's a hard argument to make. But um, I just, I need that sort of hands-on, nonverbal color and shape and texture thing because the rest of my life I spend in words. So I'm going to try to get much more intentional about doing that. I also have to get more intentional about exercise, lest I kill myself with lack of it. <laughs> and, you know, just in general, taking care of myself again. So those are all my plans now that I'm home for a few weeks. So again, thank you for your patience with me. Um, hopefully I will get another episode out next week, and hopefully I will have all sorts of progress on the quilty front that I can talk to you about. Um, and I think that's all I really have to say. So you know where you can get a hold of me, or maybe you don't because it's been a while since I've told you. So let's review. You can email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com, sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. Can I say that any faster? Let me say it a little slower. Email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com, sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z, all one word. You can follow my blog, Quilting for the Rest of Us. You can follow me on Twitter, Pinterest, and Flickr, all of those places. I am Sandy Quilts. You can friend me on Goodreads. I don't remember what my name is there. <laughs> you can like the Quilting for the Rest of Us page on Facebook. You can join, please do, the uh, Quilting for the Rest of Us Flickr group and post your photos. Um, they're beautiful, and I try to be good about commenting when I see them. And you can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Kiva team and do good all over the world. And you will find links for all of those things at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. And until next week, hopefully, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom. 